Radio. The Journey with Dave and Dodsey, an initiative of the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong and Pulse 94.1. It's now time for The Journey with Dodsey and Dave. G'day, welcome to The Journey. I'm Dodsey. And I'm Dave and it's great to be back. Mate, where's your note? Where's my note? I've served my one-week ban. Our producer Jude Hennessy imposed that on me, but I'm back. Nah, just joking. It's great to be back. I had a few things on. How you been? Mate, I've been great. Uh, what did you have on, incidentally, mate? Dodsy, that's none of your business. Thanks, mate. No love lost there. That puts you in your place. You want to know what I did? Yeah, hit us with it. Yeah, mate, look, I work with a lot of kids in a lot of different schools, and I've been doing it for quite a while, but what has really struck me over the last couple of weeks is just the, the power of humility and the power of apology, and just how that simple act of saying sorry and admitting you're wrong transforms relationships, and it's something we could all learn from, I think. Yeah, Grant, well, as someone who's worked with kids in scripture teaching for the last couple of years, I know we can learn so much from them. Great story. Well, coming up on the show today, we've got Sister Hilda Scott with Wisdom from the Abbey, also Bruce Downs, the Catholic guy. Dr. Byron and Fran Parola with their Smart Loving segment, the lovely Trish McCarthy, Milk and Honey, and Pete Gilmore with Living the Gospel. And Dave, what's this I hear about you sitting down with Father Jack Salisbury? I'm jealous, mate. Well, you know him and our producer Jude as well. Yeah. I've never met Father Jack before, but I got to speak with him over the phone. I'd love to meet him one day. He was one of these people that was really easy to speak with. You beauty, can't wait for it. First up, we've got some insights into this Sunday's Gospel reading with Father Ken from Thoreau. It's The Journey on Pulse 94.1. Here's this week's Reflection on the Gospel. This week's Gospel is from Chapter 20 of St Luke's Gospel. Uh, We're talking about the end of time. What happens when you die? The question put to Jesus was from the Sadducees, those people who didn't believe in the resurrection. Death comes to us all, what happens then? Death comes to us in many ways during our own lifetime. The first day of school is a little death when we leave mum and dad's arms and go to a new school with all these people. When we finish primary school, when we finish secondary school, when we start work, there are little deaths all the way along. And beyond those, there is life. Also at times, life can seem as though we've hit the end of the world. Our world seems to have fallen apart. A marriage breaks down, the death of a family member, the death of a loved one. When it's personal, it touches us very closely, very hard at times. What would I do? How would I cope? Some people can be prophets of doom and gloom. It's easy to make up false images of how my life will end, as it were, because of this tragedy in my life. The temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70. For the people of Jesus' time, the Jewish peoples, that was the end of the world. How would they cope? How would they cope with no place to worship? But they did. How will we cope beyond the tragedies of our lives? When our lives fall apart, we have an opportunity to look at our priorities. What really is important in my life? Then again, what temples, as it were, need to collapse in my life? What prevents God's kingdom of justice, love and peace becoming a reality in my life? Are my relationships based on inequality, on control, power, domination, prejudices, even violence, getting my way no matter what the cost? What really makes me angry? What do I need to replace in my life? 
the love, the readiness and willingness to open doors, to open arms, minds and hearts, to change and be creative and forgiving. This is the call of Jesus. Complaining, whinging and being a prophet of doom is really an excuse for doing nothing. Being a loving person, opening up to people as Jesus did. This is the power that I need in my life. The power of prayer, the power of love, the power to bring peace, the power to look at our ways of talking, acting and loving and saying, are they in line with those of Jesus? This is Father Ken from the parish of St. Michael at Thoreau. And now, inspiring you to dream, here's Bruce Downs, The Catholic Guy. Why am I so impatient? It's been nearly four weeks now that I've had a sore throat and a cough. And while it's not serious, as a public speaker, it can be both. Irritating, it makes me feel lousy, and I can't get as much done or do it in the way that I want to. So this morning I was hoping I'd wake up feeling fine, but I don't. I'm still sick. And I'm still feeling frustrated, bothered and irritable, impatient. And if you listen, you can hear that sore throat in my voice right now. I'm not alone. We all struggle with impatience, don't we? And some of you are dealing with trials far worse than mine, like chronic pain, long-term unemployment, or years of seemingly fruitless ministry. But God calls us to be patient in tribulation. So what can we do when we're impatient? How can our hearts change so we feel patient? The good news is is that Jesus promises to change our hearts. This means we can come to him as we are, trusting him to forgive, change and satisfy us. I'm sure these prayers are the kind of ones that we want to pray. We want to be able to say, I'm seeing this sickness as a gift of more nearness to him. My impatience and frustration are shrinking, Lord. I'm feeling a quiet, deeply satisfying pleasure in Christ Jesus. I'm feeling patient about being sick because my heart is full in him. I'm at peace about what I'm not getting done because I know he will take care of it all. These are the prayers I please God will be able to pray and I encourage you to pray as we draw more closer to him in the midst of our trials and tribulations. Why don't you join me at thecatholicguy.com and remember that wherever you are around the world today, that God is never far from you. Welcome back to The Journey on Pulse 94.1 and a big thanks to you, Bruce Downs, the Catholic guy. Fantastic message on patience. Now, how's the push for scripture teachers going, Dave? Yeah, really well, Dodsey. It's something, as you know, I'm really passionate about. We've been putting the call out there for the last few weeks for members of Christian churches to consider joining the over 10,000 New South Wales volunteer special religious education teachers who go into schools and share the gospel with young people in state schools in time set aside for special religious education each week. (sighs) It's an amazing ministry where kids have the opportunity, Dodsey, for Mm. around 30 minutes a week to be formed by members of local churches in the faith of their family. Yeah, we spoke about that again last week as well, Dave. And if you are interested in getting involved, give Jude Hennessy a call. He's on 4222-2407. That's 4222-2407 to hear more about training opportunities and he'll be able to put you in contact with someone from your Christian church. You're listening to The Journey with Dave and Dodsey from the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong on cradio.org.au. Here's Sister Hilda with Wisdom from the Abbey. I taught a beautiful little boy once. Actually, I've taught lots of beautiful little boys and girls. This little chap's name was Paul. He was like a match with the wood scraped off. 
He was all of three and a half kilos probably and about two inches tall. I exaggerate, of course. He was a sweetheart. His father was a truck driver and Paul's big aim in life was to be a truck driver like his father. So Paul would swagger into class every morning. God love him. Paul was as soft as butter. And when I told stories after lunch, as we always did, if it was a sad story, you could bet your bottom dollar, Paul would be sitting there crying. But Paul's big aim in life was to be a tough truck driver like his dad. So he took on the attributes of his father. And his mother took that all on board and let him go. Until Paul decided that he would start calling his mother Carmel like his father. Now, Paul had an older sister and a younger sister. He was the only little boy in that family. And after listening to herself being called Carmel for a week or so, his mother finally sat him down and said to him, Now look, Paul, there are loads of people who can call me Carmel. Your father calls me Carmel. Auntie Sylvie calls me Carmel. Grandma calls me Carmel. But there's only one little boy on the planet who can call me Mum, and that's you. If I don't hear it from you, Paul, I don't hear it at all. And that makes me very sad. Well, she, she put it the right way. She only had to say it made her sad, and that was enough for Paul to change his ways. I've thought often about that, you know. God's like that. Everyone can come and tell God he's the most wonderful thing since sliced bread. Everybody can call out his name. And they can call it out in various degrees of devotion and intensity. But if God does not hear his name mentioned by you, they could have saved themselves the trouble. It's your voice he wants to hear. It's the intonation in your voice. It's the love in your voice. That he wants to hear. Make his day. Call him God today. What a great simple message, Dave. Speaking God's name. Sister Hilda, she's just so prayerful and so practical in her messages each week. I love listening to her stuff. Now, Dave, let's get into this interview you did with Father Jack Salisbury. Father Jack spoke at Kiama on evangelization this weekend, and as I understand it, you're able to have a bit of time with him yourself. I was really, really lucky, Dodsey. Yeah, he's an amazing guy, an incredible preacher and evangelist, and we were lucky to hear a little bit about his story. You get a real sense from this interview about his love for God and passion to share it with others, and that's the really important thing. Cool. All right, let's get into it. Father Jack, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. A pleasure to uh, talk to you. Tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up, your childhood, everything that has you be the person you are today? Uh, born in Cornwall, England, uh, Irish mother, Yorkshire father. Grew up in the Catholic faith, uh, altar boy and uh, the normal routine uh, for a young boy. But when the war came along in uh, 1939 and I saw the bombers going overhead and uh, dropping bombs and as far as I was concerned as a kid they were trying to kill my mother and my sisters whom I love very much. And that proved to me there was no God. If there was, he was helpless. That began then a period of about 20 years or so where there was no God in my life and no prayer, uh, no Bible, nothing like that. I finished my schooling in England. We all migrated to Australia on the decision of my father and I became a civil engineer in Australia. Good engineer, but not a good man because 
You, you need some kind of a God, some kind of faith, and I had none. Extraordinary providence of God was that I would be in the employment of an outstanding uh, Christian, outstanding Catholic, outstanding engineer, and I mean outstanding. Uh, all his peers um, admired him and tried to imitate him, and, and he was outstanding. That man had an extraordinary influence on me over 15 years. So I watched him and uh, drank in his example and his uh, atmosphere, his values and so forth, but I never had the key to what made him tick. If you like, he was running on the mountaintops and I was running in the, down in the valleys in the gutter. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but there's some truth in that there. And then one day I uh, went into his office to get some um, address. I was going to go and get some extra experience in engineering in America, the Tennessee Valley. And instead of that, I came across a book on his, on his engineering bookshelf, 100% engineering books, books except for this one, which was called The Framework of a Christian State. What's this all about? I opened it up and there was something on the gold standard and international fiscal policies. I wasn't interested in all that stuff. But the last chapter was on the person and the individual. And I thought, well, I'm an individual. And three lines blew my mind. Three lines turned me upside down. It was like a nuclear explosion on the inside. And uh, looking back, I realized that I'd discovered gold. There's a lot of mining goes on in Australia. And uh, now I'm doing a bit of mining on the inside of me. And it was extraordinary. The three lines said, man has a certain nature which he must discover. And from that nature springs certain rights he can enjoy and certain duties he must carry out. And that floored me. Because I thought I existed on this planet, courtesy of the German government that missed me, of the English government that um, I, I grew up with, and then the Australian government that took us in. And they decided whether I lived or died. And it's, it's, a, it's an immature approach to life, but that's what I had. And now I'm finding out that I'm uh, made in the, in the image of God, that uh, I'm infinitely precious, that his DNA is in me, and then all the consequences which have flowed from that. And that's led me now to um, the Catholic priesthood, and it's led me to international evangelization. I've worked in 98 and different nations, mainly third world, because that's where I feel called. That's still going on, and I'm grateful for my health and opportunities which come my way. For those who aren't totally clear, what is evangelization? Evangelization is letting people know about God's love. There's a God who's made us, and uh, he's not distant, he's close to us, and all he wants is for us to thrive and to blossom. It's just beautiful to watch a human father or mother with their child, and that, that parent wants the best for their child, and my God wants the best for me and he wants the best for you and for those who are listening to this uh, broadcast. He wants the best and he offers us a million opportunities every day for growth and he never takes his eyes off. As one beautiful song says, his eye is on a sparrow and that's a lovely sentiment I think. How would you answer the question from someone who said, prove to me there's a God then. You can tell us all of this stuff and say, look, I know it's for sure, but how do you know? How can you prove it to me? Number one is uh, just to use human reason. Things move in the world. Clouds move and ants move across the ground and all the rest of it. They're usually moved by something else, which is moved by something else, which is moved by something else. And there's a principle that there's no regress unto infinity with regard to things which move. You can't have carriages moving along a railway unless there's a, an engine at the front. And it's the same thing. And that engine in the area of reason we choose to call God. So 
So we name him as the first cause of everything, the first mover of everything, the source of all perfections in things, and a necessary being, which means he never goes in and out of existence. He always is. Doesn't do justice to it, but that's the proof from reason. But then there's revelation where it would, morally speaking, God can't uh, make everyone a philosopher. It's uh, sort of incumbent on him to reveal himself, and he does that through revelation. And there's, again, the Christian scriptures, it speaks of God revealing himself. I am your father. I, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The things that I do, you will do. Indeed, you will do greater things than me. I want you with me forever. There's a, there's a million things, but they all sum up as God's love for me, and he's with me now, and he wants me to be with him forever. Joy is what you uh, experience when you possess something. And um, Christians are uh, uh, encouraged to cultivate the the friendship of and the intimacy with with God and automatically up comes joy in your heart and heaven is supposed to be a place where that goes on forever. Father Jack, thank you so much for your time today. I enjoy working with you. Thanks a lot. God bless you. Nice work, Dave. Father Jack Salisbury was obviously on a journey to faith and what a journey from atheist to true believer. Now he's dedicated his whole life to making Jesus known and loved. Absolutely incredible, Dodsey. And I know those who attended down there at Kayama Friday and Saturday just gone were inspired by what he had to say about evangelization. Mm. You're listening to The Journey on cradio.org.au. And now it's time for Milk and Honey with Trish McCarthy. A good friend of mine and I meet regularly to share our week and the things that we've learned. They refer to a concept that we both had employed in our lives but hadn't been able to articulate quite succinctly. I believe it comes from the author Rick Warren, and put very simply, it states, divert daily, that is, do something relaxing, withdraw weekly, for example, a rest day, and abandon annually, disconnect completely for a week or so. This has implications and benefits, physically and mentally, but today, I place it in the context of our spiritual journeys, remembering they are all very much connected. How long has it been since you responsibly abandoned? No phone, no work, no internet, no disturbing news stories or demanding advertising. I encourage you today to dream up a magnificent place of abandonment and book it in. It may be a local religious retreat venue, a special holiday place, or just a quiet week of pottering about your house in the presence of making time and space for your God. It has been said that it takes approximately three days to relax and unwind, and seven to ten days to really reach a time of refreshment and rejuvenation. If you look through the scriptures, you will see countless examples of Jesus modelling just this, retreating to a quiet place to refresh, renew, and bring all the pieces of himself together in the presence of his Father that he might be sharpened to continue his work. So today, I'm giving you permission to book in a personal retreat, at least three days or maybe even seven to ten days, that you might be refreshed and revitalised to continue your work for God. Go on, get excited, be creative. God is waiting for you. And now with their tips for vibrant marriages and family life, Here's Byron and Francine Parola with Smart Loving. Hi, we're Byron and Francine Parola from Smart Loving, and today we're talking about, well, loving smart. 
Over many years, we've come to realise that most of our mistakes in love come from the assumption that everyone experiences love the same way. A number of authors have developed frameworks to help us understand the foolishness of this idea. For example, in The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman recognises that each of us has a dominant mode of encountering love. It's like a native language, one that we intuitively understand. He identifies affirmation, touch, gifts, quality time and service as the five principal love languages. Another author, Willard Harley, in his landmark book His Needs, Her Needs, identify that the experience of love is connected to the meeting of powerful emotional needs, needs that differ in priority and significance amongst different people. Instinctively, we tend to love the way we like to be loved. So if physical affection is important to us, we tend to express love through affection. If affirmation or financial security or recreational companionship is a primary love need for us, then we'll tend to speak our love to others in that same way. It's unlikely that our spouse, our children or our friends, however, will have the same love needs that we have. In fact, we all have what we call a unique love profile. This is simply the pattern of love needs that is specific to each person. So in my case, I primarily experience love through affection, kind acts and intimate conversation. On the other hand, my love profile includes small indulgent gifts, acts of service and financial security as a high priority. It's quite different to Francine. And when I try and love her the way I like to be loved, I'm going to miss the mark every time. Smart loving is the term we coined to capture the idea that love is most successful and effective when we love according to the love needs of the other. It seems so obvious, yet it's surprising how often people complain that their spouse misunderstands their gestures of love, that they try really hard to love their spouse, but it just doesn't seem to be enough. We can be incredibly generous and self-sacrificing towards our spouse, but if our gestures are not meeting his or her love needs, it won't have the impact we desire. We call this dumb loving, and we're experts at it. Smart loving, on the other hand, is about knowing your spouse's love needs and then loving them the way they like and need to be loved. It's smart because it's effective. After all, who has the time today or the energy to love in ways that simply don't work? And it's genuine loving because it's other-centred, focused on building up and advancing the good of the other. We're Francine and Byron Parola. For more relationship tips, visit smartloving.org. You're listening to The Journey with Dave and Dodsey from the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong on cradio.org.au. It's great to have all these awesome presenters giving us simple messages, Dodsey, for living each week. Now, if you're new to the journey and want to listen again to content from any of our presenters or think someone else should hear some of the words of wisdom, just go to the Diocese of Wollongong website, radio.dow.org.au, the Pulse website, or you can Facebook us, the Journey Catholic Radio Show. It has links to podcasts and past shows, etc. Yeah, great little Facebook site, that. Now, listeners may have heard that Pulse 94.1 is running its November Radiothon. Now, get behind this amazing radio ministry, pulse941.com.au. It's an incredible presence in the Illawarra, the Shoalhaven and the South Coast, all the way along the coast. They're hoping to raise $44,000 in November, and that'll be to upgrade computers, their IT systems, but you know what? They need the support of the community and churches. 
It's a great influence for good, for family-friendly, safe content. You know, the sort of stuff everyone in the family can listen to without needing to hit the mute button. So if you're interested in all this, go to the Pulse website to make a contribution. Coming up, Pete Gilmore with his segment, Living the Gospel, and a simple message on being missionaries in our culture. You're on the journey on Pulse 94.1. Now let's live the gospel with Pete Gilmore. There's an amusing story in the Bible that I really love. Jesus has just risen from the dead and he's been visiting his close friends, the apostles. But the time has come for him to return to heaven. So he tells them soon the Holy Spirit will come and give them power and they will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Then Jesus ascends into heaven and disappears into the clouds. This is where it gets awkward. The Bible tells us that the apostles just stood there and kept staring and kept staring. And you know you've been staring too long when two angels appear. I can imagine that one of the angels cleared their throat before talking to them like, Ahem, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come back the same way you saw him go. Okay, so wait a second. If this is the way he's going to come back, shouldn't we keep staring into heaven? Sure, it makes sense, except Jesus didn't ask us to wait. He told us to go. He didn't make us lookouts. He made us missionaries. And there's still so much to do. Be ready for his return. Absolutely. But wouldn't it be awesome if we could say, Hey Jesus, you know that thing you wanted us to do? Yeah, we did it. So this week, let's focus on our mission of making Jesus known and loved. God bless. Well, Dotsy. I think that's just about it for another week. What's coming up next week? Great show being planned for next week, Dave. We speak to a group of young adults who went across to World Youth Day earlier in the year and get to share some of the experiences they encountered. So don't miss that one. And we've got all our regular inputs from our lineup of contributors. Yeah, that's right, Dodsy. We've got Gospel Reflections, Sister Hilda, also Bruce Downs, a Catholic guy, Dr. Byron and Fran Parola, Trish McCarthy and Pete Gilmore. That's The Journey on Pulse 94.1. And remember, you can go to the Wollongong Diocese website, radio.daw.org.au, the Pulse website. You can even Facebook us, The Journey Catholic Radio Show. And that way you can hear podcasts and past shows as well. Yeah, and Clary from Coromel said that he's really enjoying all the content lately, so keep all those messages of support coming in. Until next week, have Have yourselves a great week. The Journey is produced by the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong in cooperation with Pulse 94.1 and edited by Jude Hennessy and Daniel Hopper from the Office of the Bishop. You have been listening to The Journey with Dave and Dodsey on cradio.org.au. You can listen into the journey in Wollongong by tuning into Pulse 94.1 on Sundays from 11am to 12pm or Wednesdays from 10 to 11pm. And you can tune in from anywhere else in the world through the Pulse 94.1 website or streaming on Cradio on Sundays from 8 to 9pm. To find all the episodes of The Journey and for more shows, talks and interviews, visit cradio.org. Don't you?